You are listening to Processing Trauma Out Loud, conversations about trauma and healing from two women who are doing the work. My name is Jeremiah Jones, and I'm the producer of this podcast. In today's episode, Candace and Cher discuss what it means to betray ourselves because of the complex childhood trauma we experienced. Self-betrayal is a painful, adaptive behavior we learn as children. Listen in as they share the hope of moving out of self-betrayal and into healing, starting with these three steps. Hi, Cher. Hey, Candace. So good to see you. Good to see you today. I'm looking forward to what we're going to talk about today. We're going to have at least three or four episodes in this series. We think it can really help our listeners if they are not only curious, maybe they're already on the journey, but there is a concept that we have learned more and more about as we have healed and we hear other people talking about, and that is what is self-betrayal? So we wanted to offer our listeners something very practical today and what we want to call as first steps to end self-betrayal. We're specifically talking about self-betrayal that comes from having complex childhood trauma. As littles, when we were not getting our needs met in a developmental way that caused us to be able to develop healthily, emotionally, physically, mentally, spiritually, we didn't turn towards those who weren't meeting our needs or those who were abusing us and named them as bad. We actually turned towards ourselves and named ourselves as bad and wrong. And we began a developmental process of self-betrayal. And so we want to just break this down into three first steps that we could possibly take to end the craziness of what it means that we are in self-betrayal. So I'm going to just ask you if you want to tackle, what is that first step to ending self-betrayal? Yeah, the first step that, and these are steps we just came up with. So it's not that there couldn't be a hundred different ones, but our first, the first thing we talked about was the need for us to really begin to be honest about how we're doing, to be honest about the quality of our life. And are we living the life that we really want to be living? Do we have the quality of relationships that we want to have? Are we working the job that we want to have? Do we have the pace of life that we want to have? Or do we feel like our life is a big struggle and that many aspects of our life really is a big struggle? And that might be even physical things. It might be emotional things. It might be relational things. But I think we get caught up in this swirl of doing life a certain way. And we just keep doing life that way. And we cope and we try to survive. And we've kind of even lost hope that things can even be better or even great, where we can experience the kind of life and love that we really long for, that our hearts were made for. Mm -hmm. And so the first step is really to begin to look at what is the truth and to begin to name that with some level of honesty, first to ourselves, and then perhaps finding another person who we can begin to speak the truth with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. We know that we all have struggles in life. Every human being 
can have hard things happen and struggle. But coming from complex childhood trauma, these are struggles that we often don't even know we have initially because they are in our subconscious, but they are consistent. And so if we look at our history, we will notice that there's just certain things that continually pop up from time to time. And so we're not talking about just having struggles. We're talking about specific struggles that have been consistent throughout our lives. We wouldn't have named it even as a struggle initially because it was the ways that we were coping and surviving and we thought it was normal. Yeah. And I'll just give the example of our attachment styles. Do we want to feel loved and cared for and seen and known, and yet we avoid intimacy? Whatever our attachment style is that came out of our wounds of trying to be connected to the people in our lives that really were there to teach us what it is to love and be loved, and just attachment styles has a huge impact I will say on every aspect of our lives. And yet so often we we don't have a concept of this at all. In fact, we oftentimes think, you know, initially, what's wrong with all these people? <laughs> and, you know, as we begin to be educated, which is going to move us into step two. So step one, we have to be honest about our current reality and have safe spaces to be able to share that. And I even liked what you said when we were processing, if all you can do today is pull out a piece of paper and say, this is my current struggle. That That's a step. And so step two is going to be about education, but you do you want to kind of go over what step two is? We have to learn what dysregulation is. When we get dysregulated, it means that we go outside of our window of tolerance. And we have talked about this in some previous episodes, but just a very quick recap is if you think of your level of tolerance being on that or your window of tolerance being on that scale from one to 10 with one, the lower end, one, two, three is kind of that hypo arousal where I tend to shut down. Everything gets quieter and slower in in a way that just is where I'm disconnected. I I don't stay present. I'm dissociating. And that's hypo arousal. The other end of the spectrum, like seven, eight, nine is or 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 eight, nine, ten is is hyper arousal where everything gets fast and I get anxious and I'm moving fast and I'm trying to solve situations and I'm trying to get myself out of what I am perceiving as being dangerous, being danger. Where we want to be on the on the window of tolerance is in that middle section where we feel safe, where we feel at rest, where we feel in our relationships like we're connecting well and where there's a sense of love and well-being. When we get dysregulated, and this can happen from anything that triggers us in our limbic brain, which is that middle part of our brain where we store all of our previous memories, our beliefs, our emotions, and so much more. But when we get triggered, that will cause us to go into some or or to have some memories of being in fight, flight, 
freeze or fawn. And then we, we get dysregulated. We will move toward hypoarousal or hyperarousal. We are dysregulated at that point, And we are then doing life out of a place of being dysregulated. And when we are in that place of dysregulation, our prefrontal cortex goes offline and we cannot think clearly and rationally a lot of times. We feel that a really important step of of stopping this pattern of self-betrayal is learning what dysregulation is and learning what do I do when I am dysregulated. Beginning to become familiar with some of the things that trigger me. And then when I'm triggered, what happens? So it is being aware of what's going on in your body, which you and I both have shared this before. We didn't know what the heck was going on in our body when we started this. I didn't know that my hyper arousal was a trauma response. I thought it was an amazing gift I had to get a lot of shit done. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, and the truth is I could, but I also wasn't healing. So there's a difference. And so this it's, we're talking about healing from self-betrayal that comes from complex childhood trauma. And yeah, you also mentioned when we were talking about step two is we're not going to get into this because we could do a whole episode on this and we probably will. But it is going to be where we begin to hear that inner child or that wounded place and what's going on. What are we hearing? What are we thinking? And before we can really do that, I think that leads us into step three. Yeah. Do you want to talk about step three? Are you making me talk about step three? Because you know this (laughs) <laughs> no, 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 no. The hardest, this we're, is we're, the hardest one for me. <laughs> we're, we're, we're both in here. We're bo- in different ways, but. Yeah, well, it's so funny. We may, we should put slow down or maybe speed up. No, really it's slowing down because honestly, if you are going into hyper arousal, you also have to slow down and notice that's what's going on even though your body's slowing down. And so, yeah, it's step three is just slowing down. We said there's a couple ways that you can slow down. One is to know that in the moment, because you're naming your current reality, that you have some sadness, confusion, pain, anger, you've named that. You have now learned what dysregulation is and what's happening in your body. And now you are in a situation that you've noticed that your body is being aroused through being hyper or the hypo where you're, you're shut down. In that moment, it's slowing down and making space to be curious. Yeah. Like, yeah. oh, I've no- I'm noticing my body is doing this thing again. That really is what we're talking about. There's more things that we need to know and do. We've got to learn our resources, our tools. But this episode is just three things that you can do starting today. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious a little bit what your thoughts are on slowing down as well. So I think also there's there's just this really practical aspect of slowing down our schedule. Because I think in our world today, we live very fast paced lives. 
We have a million things going on. There, there are so many demands on our time. I think so many people feel like they are just racing from thing to thing to thing to accomplish everything that the day demands. And some of this is a coping mechanism. Like if we stay busy enough, we can numb out. It becomes a drug or an addiction where we don't have to face the hard things or deal with our, our, our self-betrayal because we're just busy and we're numbing out. But I think if we want to stop self-betrayal, we have to slow our schedule down so that we can begin to get in tune with what is going on in my body. What does dysregulation look like for me? I cannot do this healing journey if I have a million things going on and I don't have time to really take a look at what is real for me. So so I think that's just a really, and again, that's something that can be done today is like, how can you make time in your week where you could have 30 minutes or an hour where you sit and you be reflective and you journal or you take a walk and you Mm -hmm. ponder? Just intentional. So those moments that are just kind of hitting us out of nowhere, we can't plan for that, but we can still like, oh, this is when I need to just slow down and breathe for a moment. And then you're talking about just being very intentional to have some space in your week where you can slow down. I want to say something about self-betrayal because I do think we named that we turn against ourselves as children, but self-betrayal is really, you begin to live a life that does not align with who you truly are, what you truly want need and desire. This is why we do this work is that it ta- there's a discovery process. When you've lived in self-betrayal, you have a hard time even naming those things. And I think some aspects of self-betrayal are the level of judgment that we heap against ourselves. The, the inner critic, when, when we have Complex childhood trauma, we usually, almost always, maybe always, always, there is a very loud inner critic where we are continually beating ourselves up. And we have to slow down so that we can begin to recognize what are the words that our inner critic uses against ourselves? What are the judgments that I heap upon myself day after day, week after week, year after year? We have to become aware in order to heal. And in order to become aware, we have to slow down. I'm so glad that you brought the inner critic up because if you have a strong inner critic, it is a clue. It's data because who is that inner critic? Who is that inner critic? So even if you align with the Christian faith and believe that we have an enemy who is the accuser, he is, he is the critic. But if you were raised with a strong belief consistently in who you are and what is true, you combat that like that. But if you are in agreement with it and you get stuck in it, it's just something to be curious about. Yeah, because underneath it, for sure, there will be shame. Mm -hmm. Again, that's a really important thing to become aware of. And then we can say, why is there so much shame? Or if there's deep loneliness, why am I so lonely, right? It's all of these questions that we can begin asking ourselves with intention 
to meet with honesty that we maybe have never had the courage to do before. And when we can move toward ourselves with curiosity and kindness and begin to name what's true, name what's real, and look at at some of these things that are going on and to begin just asking the hard questions of why am I here and why have I why have I been okay to be here for a long time? And why do I constantly beat myself up? And is this the way that I want to live or, or can this change? If we just slow down, we can begin to ask these hard questions and it's hard, but I, I just will say that the hardest place to be is when we are stuck in our coping mechanisms, trying to just survive our complex PTSD, our dysregulation, our triggers, the struggles in our relationships, the struggles when we're just coping and trying to survive, we can't heal. But if we slow down, we can begin to look at things with more honesty, and then we can begin to move toward healing. Yeah. It's never too late and it's never too early. And I want to invite our listeners to reach out to us and ask us where they can get help. We know people that we trust that have done their own work and we love giving referrals to people that are also wanting to see people that are in so much pain heal. We had recently someone reach out to us in their 20s. And I was so moved by this person's email. He he had been listening to our episodes and he wanted to know who who could help him. And so I I sent, I gave him a referral. But we want to do that for anyone that would reach out to us. Possibly Cher and I could work with you, but it's not too late to start. And if you're in your 20s, even better. Yeah. And I think we also want to acknowledge that we both know people who have tried therapy or seeking help through their their church or a friend or family member or whatever, and where it hasn't worked out very well, where they feel like they came away and they, they, they just kind of made this vow, I will never talk about this again, or I will never go to therapy again. I think one of the things that we feel is so important is that the people who we would offer as referrals are people who have done their own work, not just people who have learned techniques or theories, but people who have done this work in their own lives and trauma trained and just really able to approach it from a very different perspective. Yeah, these these people are not only trauma trained and formed and responsive. The truth is, even in therapeutic relationships, people can get hurt. Yeah. And so a trauma trained, informed, responsive therapist or coach also will seek repair in humility yeah. and kindness and awareness that they're human too. They're on the journey too. So I just I wanted to say that we're not setting anybody up to be this perfect person, but we do want to refer people to safe people. Candace and I have talked many times about how working with our coaches has literally just changed our lives in so many ways. So we're huge believers in 
finding someone who is safe and qualified because we are experiencing more goodness and healing in our lives than really I will say than I than I even believe possible. So mm. yeah, we want that for the whole world. I love that for you, Cher. Makes me happy. Yeah. And you too. Yeah. Good to be with you today, my friend. Love you. Yep. Love you too. Thank you for listening to Processing Trauma Out Loud. Make sure to check out the show notes for links to suggested resources and social media. Like, subscribe, and follow to keep up with our weekly content. And if you don't mind, take a moment to rate and review us. Your feedback is extremely valuable and contributes to the success of this podcast. One last thing, if you have found this podcast helpful in any way, or if you have questions on how to take the next steps on your healing journey, please reach out to us via email at CandiceShare at gmail.com. That's K-A-N-D-A-C-E-S-H-E-R at gmail.com. Music was created by Kayla Paxton, and our sound engineer is Jeremiah Jones of Audit Story, LLC. We welcome you to join us for more conversations soon. Take care.